Hey there, there, friends and farmers. farmers. I'm Taylor. And I'm Marshall. And this is the Mind Your Melon podcast. It's always a season for growing here at Mind Your Melon. And we're excited to be sharing thoughts, stories, and resources to inspire healthier minds with proactive choices and lifestyles. We'll be covering a lot of topics related to life and wellness, such as fitness, food, and even finances. Some big topics for sure. But don't worry, because we'll be lightening them up with some fun and humor along the way. Thanks for listening. Now, mind your melon. Hey, everyone. I am looking forward to bringing you this next episode. I have the chance to sit down with my longtime friend, Mr. Kevin Hutchison. Listen in as Kevin shares his personal stories around how faith has been at work in his life, taking him from a small town in Florida to a life of mission work around the world and across the United States. Get ready to mind your melon with Kevin Hutchison. We're excited to bring you this episode in partnership with Fowler Plant Company of Moultrie, Georgia. At Mind Your Melon, we hope to plant seeds to help inspire and grow healthy lifestyles in any season of your life. Similarly, Fowler Plant Company is working to deliver the best quality seeds and transplants to help provide farmers with a healthy start to their crop. Reach out to Fowler Plant Company of Georgia as you're making plans for your next growing season. As a special thank you to our listeners and to celebrate our Faith, Family, and Farming mini-series, we are offering a discount on our children's book, Melon Mike and His Not-So-Fun Feelings. The code PODCAST15, that's PODCAST15, saves you 15% off from now until January 1st, 2024. You can find the Melon Mike book on our website at mindyourmelon.org or check the link in our show notes. Kevin Hutchison, I am excited for this conversation. I've been looking forward to it. We've talked about it for I don't even know how long now, but we've we've been trying to get something together and plan it. And I am glad to finally have the chance to sit down with you and just talk a little bit about faith, family and farming. Man, I'm just as excited as you are, especially that our background, given our background and where we came from and where we are now and all these things that are playing over and over again in my mind and how it all worked out for us to meet and do this. This is this is cool. I agree. And so for people listening, before we even get into some of your background, because we were talking about it before we started recording, you alone have such an interesting story and interesting experience, in my opinion. But then the way it kind of works together for both of us, I think we were just talking about the way some of these things have aligned. And as we're as, as we've been building out this faith, family, and farming mini-series leading up to the holidays, I was telling Taylor and our family about it. You're pretty much the only person who's going to be on this little mini-series who actually knew my dad. Yeah. Who, growing up, you, you've got first-hand experience from when my dad was still alive. And I mm-hmm. think that's just now seeing it kind of come, I'll call it full circle, having yeah. some of these conversations about where things have led to. It's uh, it's really cool, and I appreciate you being willing to do it. Man, I'm so glad that the privilege is mine. And this, it's a pretty neat thing to think that, you know, I have very fond memories of your dad and us growing up together and the things that we did and how much fun we had. And it's a, it's a cool blessing to be able to be here now and contribute to what you're trying to do with the Mind Your Melon podcast and the Mind Your Melon presentations. I'm really humbled and honored by it. Well, on that note, we were talking about it just a little while ago, and you were very quick to point out faith, family, and farming. You, you got the faith standpoint. You got the family yeah. farming. Maybe not as much. So with that said, talk to the listeners a little bit about your background, 
all the way starting in Keysville, Florida, mm. in high school days and to where you are now. I oh. think that, that alone will be a cool story. Well, I got a good friend that would say it like this. I kind of feel like a horsefly in a nudist colony. I've got no idea where to start. Going back to my roots, I was born and raised in Keysville, Lithia area off of Edison Road. Been there my entire life. My grandparents, my dad's parents, we lived right behind them. Matter of fact, my parents still live there. My great-grandmother, she was next to my grandparents. That was my granddaddy's mama. My brother now owns her place. And so our roots are still pretty deep there in the Keysville area. And so I always had the mindset of, this is where I'm going to be. And I had made up my mind and made peace with the fact to a point that I was probably going to be bound to Hillsborough County. Well, come to find out what I thought and what the Lord thought were two different things <laughs> because he calls me to preach. And so I've grown up my entire life in Welcome Baptist Church in Lithia, Florida. And I had heard great preaching my entire life. And I had heard all the biblical accounts and all of the illustrations and all the things that come with the position of a preacher. And I had made up my mind that when God started dealing with me about it, that that's not what I wanted to do because people don't like the preacher. They're nice to him when he's around, but when he leaves, then comes the criticism. It's kind of like the quarterback. Everybody <laughs> wants to play quarterback at the house, you know, when they're sitting comfortable in the armchair and there's not four 350-pound dudes just trying to end their life basically, you know, at, during a play. And so I would think those thoughts and I would have these questions in my mind. And here's what I've been told, that if there is a call to go and an urge to go, then it's of the Lord. And I had both of those things, but I just could not come to peace with the fact that why, why me? I'm not a very educated man. My family is the normal American family. Dad works in air conditioning and heating has been for his just his entire life since high school mom's a nurse there you know we, we're not anybody special we're just i guess quote unquote regular folk and so here i am 14 years old at church camp in groveland florida and i've got a decision before me to preach and so i i said yes and then comes high school and i was a a kid that was in a public high school with a call to preach and I didn't make the best of decisions, but one of the greatest decisions I ever made was becoming friends with your brother, Mark, and then becoming friends with you. And that led me to some of the greatest memories and adventures in my lifetime, of me and the Sewell boys, and just the things that we got to do growing up, they're awesome. And I'm thankful now that I made the decision that I made. And then you fast forward to now where I'm at. Well, after saying yes to the Lord, you agree to an adventure. And I use that term in the most positive way possible because it has been nothing short of an adventure. Because I, growing up thinking I would never leave Hillsborough County, not only do I get pulled out of Hillsborough County, I get pulled out of Florida. Not only do I get pulled out of Florida, I get pulled out of the United States. I had never left the borders of the United States until I met my wife when I was in Bible college. And my wife is a Romanian citizen, and she is the product of one of our missionaries. And her and I began to talk. And, of course, I was interested. And at first she wasn't, but that's part of the game, isn't it? So I ran her down and chased her down. And I have of the mindset of to keep a good woman, you have got to be rich, loaded, 
or funny. I'm neither rich. I'm neither loaded or handsome, but I'm pretty funny. And so I'd stay up late working on new material, you know, and I still kind of do to this day. You got to keep things interesting. <laughs> and well, right. I flew over there and I got to see Romania for the first time and I didn't think anything of it. It was just a new country, you know. And so I went and I experienced this new country and I got to eat McDonald's <laughs> in a place that was in the United States and it was actually good. And I got to go to a pizza hut. And I, you know, we did all these touristy things. And of course I went to the church there and I saw how they did things and I heard this new language and I thought, well, this is neat. You know, thank you, Lord. I mean, this is really cool. And then we moved to Florida and we got married and we had our children. And for the first five years of our marriage, we lived in Florida. And I thought, okay, this is going to be where we're going to stay. We're going to find a church here and, and pastor here or, or something in Florida because it's all taken care of now. Little did I know it had just begun. And so here comes this new call and this new urge to go to Romania. And so I went and I did the most unconventional thing possible in the eyes of most people. I didn't set a goal of we have to have this much money before we can leave coming in a month or we have to have this or that before we can move over there. We told ourselves and talks amongst yeah, as husband and wife and decided that the Lord called us to do this thing. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to spend a year visiting the churches and letting them know who we are and what we believe we need to do. And then we took off. And I can't say one time, Marshall, there, had, there was never a time when I called anybody to ask them for help as far as, you know, hey, we made a mistake and we are drowning. And certainly there was never a time where I called anybody and said, I have made the biggest mistake in my life. I regret every single bit of this decision. Man, I learned a new language. I learned a new culture. In 11 months, I became fluent in the Romanian language, and I began to make friends, and we began to raise our children, and we began to set down roots, and everything was great. And for 10 years, we got to live this blessed life of being missionaries on a foreign field, and it was awesome. And then came another call, and then came another urge that I knew that it was time. We had done what God asked us to do, and it was time to relocate. And I've seen that there's been a trend lately, and there's a motive behind it, obviously, considering the condition of things here in our country, that we used to send men out to preach the gospel, and we still do, but now they're coming back because, well, we got away from it. And so the Lord started dealing with me about coming back. And with all that, out of all the places that I thought I would end up, I ended up in Sterlington, Louisiana. <laughs> Just north of Monroe, you know, uh, the people in the south part of the state, they call us South Arkansas. The, <laughs> the Cajuns don't really think that we're from Louisiana, and so they always, well, you're just from South Arkansas, and be that as it may. I'm in Sterlington, Louisiana, and I told you this before the podcast. When people ask me what it's like living there, coming from Florida, I always tell them it's just a different swamp. <laughs> That's all it is. There's alligators. There's water. There's everything that we've got here except it's in a different state and then I thrive and that's not bragging on me because I'm nothing and I know that but the Lord knew what he was doing and so my my experience looking back now as we're sitting here talking to each other if there was one word that would come to mind for me and what's been the driving force behind every decision I've ever made it's obedience not blind or foolish obedience 
but obedience in who I know and who created me and the fact that his track record is proven. And if he can take care of things like the sparrow and if he can take care of the lilies and how neither one of those things do anything to contribute really to their well-being and he's taking care of them, well, why can't he take care of me? And now here we are recording a podcast all these years later. And this is just awesome. I'll reiterate what I said originally. This story alone is so cool. And I think we could spend hours just talking about <laughs> the the funny stories from high school or oh, yeah. the Romanian experiences or now yeah. things in Louisiana. And I could go so many different directions, but I, to just kind of kick it off, I'll say, again, I appreciate you sitting down and that obedience thing is interesting. And then too, the comment you made about historically, we would send people out to the mission field. Yeah. And now seeing this need to come back to the States and into some of these communities, I think a lot about, you know, the core of where Mind Your Melon really started, knowing how, you know, mental health and stress and yeah. things like that really impacted our family, the loss of my dad. And I think to some of the studies that have come out talking about a decline in faith and religion in certain communities mm-hmm. correlating to the rise in deaths of despair, not yeah. just suicide, but, you know, drug and alcohol abuse, addiction and those types of things. And I, I think there is something to be said about just the value of what faith and a belief system mm-hmm. can bring to your life or your family's life or even your community's life whenever you make sure that you're anchored in that belief system. And, you know, I'll, I'll share a little bit with anybody listening. That's where you and I have connected beyond just being high school buddies and everything. But also along my own walk, as I started really exploring new things and trying to find more just meaning and understanding, you know, in, in scripture and other areas, I, I'll go ahead and point out, you were one of the very first people to start breaking down the book of Job with me. Now, for some people listening, you'll know that that's very relevant. For other people, I'll I'll fill you in just a little bit. When I first lost my dad and I was just trying to seek out understanding, the book of Job is one of the first things that come to mind. And I read it at the very just elementary style level and surface level. And I'm like, here, this guy went through such a hard time, was facing all these challenges and obstacles, and he just took it on the chin. I'm like, that's how we're supposed to do it. We just, we've got to accept it, know that life is tough and our faith has to be stronger. And then through multiple conversations with you, we just kept on breaking it down, breaking it down. And like, oh, there's so many layers to how you navigate hard times. Mm -hmm. And so then I think it goes back to that obedience piece and just knowing that there is this big framework if we accept it, if we choose it to help us navigate the hard times. That's right, man. Listen, Job. I, why you would call me, I, I still think about that daily. Of all the people that you could have asked their opinion for, you asked mine, and I say this all the time, there are countless people that have forgotten more than I have learned. But when I look at the book of Job and the questions that you asked me, of course, you know, there are portions of that book where, yeah, he did take it on the chin. And he went and he sacrificed and he did all these things. But there were also times when he sat in sackcloth and ashes and he mourned and he was sad and he had some good counsel and he had some bad counsel. But you get in there to chapter 38 after he begins to start questioning the Lord. Chapter 38, the Lord talks and the God of heaven says, gird up your loins like a man for I'll require it of thee. He's heard it. And he's merciful and he's good, but he's also going to bring Job back to, okay, 
that, and it goes also back to what Solomon would write in Ecclesiastes. There, there's a time to mourn. There's a time for all these things. And they each have their appropriate place in our life, and especially during the times that we're going through those circumstances. But what they cannot do, if you look at the record and you look at what is written in those texts, what they cannot do is become our master. If you need to mourn, I'll mourn with you, but we're not going to stay mourning. If you need to rejoice, I'll rejoice with you, but we're not always going to be rejoicing. It's just the way that things are laid out, but that does not change anything about God. And a lot of people ask that question, well, how can you serve a God like that? Well, let me tell you how. <laughs> and then I share my story. And at the end of the day, the greatest thing for me is you come to the end of a crossroad. And at the end of the crossroad, I heard a Muslim man say this. This was his testimony. They asked him, how could you convert? How could you follow a God like that? And this guy shared that what I was following required me to do everything. I had to give. I had to die. I had to this. Now I have seen that he's done everything for me. And be that as it may, blessed be the name of the Lord. And so I thought, what a mindset. What an awesome mindset. Yeah, there's going to be times. I've had many times, and we talked about this earlier, where I thought, man, if this is ministry, this I, I don't want this. <laughs> And I was tempted. Man, I'm not going to sit here and lie in front of you or God or anybody else and say I have not been tempted to call my pastor or to tell my wife or to tell somebody else, I don't want to do this anymore. And now looking back at every single one of those instances, and maybe we'll get into some of those stories, I'm so thankful that I didn't. And that piece alone resonates for me in so many ways because we're, we're talking about the the calling to do something and then almost feeling that you're saying temptation or mm -hmm. even sometimes feeling conflicted. And I think about where you were with, with your own, you know, calling and, and questions about where you should and shouldn't go. I think about farmers nowadays. Yeah. You know, people at the core of our, our group, farmers and ranchers listening at, at their core, they want to be farmers and ranchers in a world right now that makes it super challenging to be a grassroots traditional farmer and rancher. I, I think about some of the things that Taylor and I have been trying to do with such a sensitive topic as, you know, mind your melon and, and wellness and health and mental health and these things. And sometimes wondering, are, are we going about this the right way? And almost kind of having that imposter syndrome, I guess you mm -hmm. could say, wondering, you know, if it's really landing anywhere. And I think it goes back to, one of the original points of just making sure that when you have that calling, understanding that, you know, you're, you're taking the tap, you're taking the nudge and, yeah. and you're being obedient. And so thank you for what you're doing on, on your mission field. Man, it's, it's my honor and my privilege that I would even be considered to do something like this. It is an awesome and humbling task to have this great calling and then not only to have the great calling but to have the opportunities and the privileges that i've been afforded to be able to speak to the people that i have spoken to to live in the places that i have lived and to rekindle and rebuild the friendships along the way from all of these things and it all stems in obedience i do want to circle back to what you were saying though you said we might get into these stories but for some people listening yeah we talked about the calling within faith or the calling to be a farmer or rancher or what have you. But 
you as a leader within within faith and within religion when you're facing those tough times what do you cling to or can you do you want to share some stories about times where you know you either went through your own challenges or you help people navigate challenge of their own just from your experience what do you cling to in those times well i guess the short answer and the quick answer would be the lord but to expound on that i am not above and I have reached out before, and I have asked others that have gone through similar situations, hey, how did you handle this? But what I cling to, I cling to the promises that have been made in the scriptures. I cling to the God of heaven that has the track record of once he says something, that's how it'll be. To my recollection, he has not destroyed the earth again by flood. He promised that he wouldn't, and he didn't. There was a time in the Old Testament <clears throat> when God told Moses, I about had enough of this, and I'm going to wipe out all the children of Israel, but I want to start over with you. And Moses went after the Lord and asked him not to. And based on his mercy, he said that he wouldn't. And to my knowledge, he hasn't. God promised that there would be storms and that there would be problems, but he also promised that we'd never be alone. And to my recollection, I have never been alone, even in the times when I've felt most alone. I have always, always held on to that promise because he has done nothing but prove himself over and over again in my life. And in the circumstances that maybe to some don't seem that big, there are others that face way more adversity than I have or ever will. And there are other men that live on a field that they can't tell you about because their lives are in danger. Or there are other men that have faced real persecution, not just somebody talking behind your back or questioning your motives. And all of those men always come back to the same thing that I do. And it's the promises of the Lord and the, the faithfulness that not only comes from His Word, but the faithfulness that you see in the lives of these other men that, yeah, they've struggled and they've fallen and they've been just as tempted as I am. But in the face of all of those... They always come back to the same thing, that obedience. I heard a man, I told you this before the podcast, I heard a man he, that, that's a called preacher, and he said, I've been called to do two things. I've been called to preach, and I've been called to die. And I thought, well, I can't call him Lord if I don't make him Lord, and I can't call him Master if I don't make him Master. But that does not mean that sometimes, like Elijah, you just need to get up under a tree <laughs> and take, take a rest. Out. That's right. And he always comes and feeds you. That's it. <clears throat> I talk about that sometimes, especially when sharing testimony or when groups have asked. I, I like that story of Elijah. And I think it relates so much to a lot of what we deal with and, and what we're out here trying to, to promote is Elijah had just completed all these amazing things. Yeah. He had just done wonders. If Facebook had been around back then, my goodness, he would have been all over the headlines. I mean, out outrun the king's <laughs> chariot on barefoot, you know, mm -hmm. and... Just, I mean, he ended up having all these accomplishments and achievements and then just felt like he was isolated, felt fear, felt like he had to run away. He went and he hid up under that tree trying to get away from everybody who was after him. And that was when he rested. Yeah. And he woke up and there was food and there was drink. Angel showed up to support him. 
and I'm paraphrasing, I can't quote yeah. it word for word, but <clears throat> I, I, I like that story because I think it even relates back to what we do in our modern times. Sometimes we got to stop and take a break. Absolutely. Rest a little bit, nourish ourselves, and also find support. Mm-hmm. It was there for Elijah. And no, I, I share that story a lot, but. Absolutely, I, man. Well, I'm curious, Kevin, if you got any other stories. I know there's plenty, but <clears throat> any that stick out, you know, as time's winding down on this deal, anything that you find meaningful or relevant, anything you want to share, it could be anything, fun stories or meaningful stories. Well, again, I don't, I don't know where to start. There's so many things, and, you know, when you're restricted to a time limit, you have to pick and choose. That was when we were in Bible college. They would tell us, boys, the hardest thing is not picking what to preach. It's picking what not to preach because you can't say everything. <laughs> That's right. You know, folks are going to start leaving. There's a fine line between a good sermon and a hostage situation. And so you've got to quit at some point, land the airplane. <clears throat> I'm thinking back now and I'm thinking to when I moved to Romania and and God gave me the ability to learn the language and I'd prayed and I'd asked him, I said, Lord, I'm going somewhere where they don't speak my language and I don't speak theirs. And I cannot expect them to cater to me, but I must learn their language. And so I'd ask him to help me learn it. And I didn't do language class and I didn't I even let my wife help me. I just, I did what's called the immersion technique. And I would just go off into town and I'd go to the market and I'd go to the butcher shop and I'd go to the doctor and the automotive parts, whatever. And I'd listen to people talk and I'd watch how they asked for things. And I would sort of parrot that and mimic that. And it was absolutely brutal those first couple of months because I said things. They can't be repeated on a podcast <laughs> or in a church or in good company, you know. And I, I did things that just caused them to look at me and wonder, you know. And, and moving there also, for the first little bit, I was the weirdo in town because down here, you can wave at a stranger. You can walk down the street and say, Hey, how you doing? And it's okay. You cannot do that in Romania. And I would just wave at people and they thought I belonged in a loony bin <laughs> because I'm just looking at people smiling. Hey, how you doing? And, and then their heads would just immediately go down. Why is this strange six foot three blue haired looking monster, you know, waving at me and why? So anyway, th- th- but there's one story that comes to mind now that I think about it. When we moved there and I was learning the language, we're talking about learning the language. This is what really just pushed me and motivated me is I got up and I preached the very first time in Romanian. I wrote it out word for word and I read it word for word. And I thought, man, I have arrived. And when we got done, one of the older ladies in the church came to me and looked me dead in the eye and said, you read good. And then she left. (laughs) And I stood there for a minute and thought, well, I've got to do better. <laughs> so I, I went and I, I, think, I, I think I did better. You know, now I don't read. I can, I'm fluent. I can speak it, write it, read it, preach it, you know, and the Lord's been good to me in that matter. And there are so many other stories that I could tell. You know, speaking of being shaken and one of those times being doubtful, I'll share one of those. The first night we lived in our apartment in Romania, the landlord called and said, can you spend the night somewhere else because we want to redo the flooring. Back then, when the apartments were originally built, 
they had different levels. You would step off into the living room, you'd step off into the kitchen and everything had a separate room. So the kitchen was its own room, had a door, living room, a door, hallway, a door, the bedrooms, bathrooms, you know, as normal would have a door, but they were not all the same level. And so the landlord wanted to pour concrete and get it up to where it was all the same level as the hallway. So of course we agreed. And we spent the night at my in-law's house. And it was about seven o'clock in the morning. My wife gets a phone call. And the landlord said, did you leave the door open? Absolutely not. Get over here now. And I thought, oh, my goodness, what could this be? Somebody broken in and they'd stolen everything. And when I say everything, Marshall, I mean, they took toothpaste, deodorant, body wash, all perfume, cologne. They went through our dirty clothes, emptied out, turned out pockets. They took my Bible that the church that ordained me gave me and they just thumbed through it and just were shaking it, apparently looking for money. And they found, you know, what they wanted. They took the tablet, laptop. We don't have any of our wedding pictures. They were all on that laptop. A lot of the pictures from the birth of our children on that laptop, the tablet gone, these old sermons, you know, from my early days of preaching, where they're gone. I have no idea where they're at. And I'm standing there looking at the chief of police and he comes up and, you know, obviously it's an American that got robbed. And so they're coming to <laughs> investigate. Well, the chief shows up. He's not going to show up for anybody, but he shows up. And we're talking, and I'm distraught. I'm mad. It was the first time I thought, well, no, it was not the first time. It was one of the first times I thought, well, if this is ministry, I don't want it. And we were talking afterwards, myself, my wife, and a friend of ours, and I made the foolish mistake of voicing those thoughts in a less than caring way. I didn't use any kind of foul language or anything. I was just upset, and I needed to blow off some steam, and I was short and whatever. And then we went back in the apartment and we were looking through our things and they stole everything, but they didn't get the most important things. I still had my family. I still had my Bible and we still had all of our documents. Our bag that had all of our documents had been pushed into a corner while we were moving and we had boxes in front of it and they didn't move the boxes or whatever was in front of the bag. I can't remember now. And the bag was safe. And I looked at my Bible and thought about the bag and thought about we're safe, my family's safe, my kids are okay. And I just broke down and thought, who am I to run? Who am I to think that I know better than God does? And through some counseling, my pastor called and we talked and his wife got on the phone and she said, all right, Kevin, let me give you some advice. And I said, okay. She said, I want you to remember that other people are watching. And the way you handle this is you're going to make or break your ministry. Ouch. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's not that we don't have the right to be upset. It's not that we cannot feel those feelings. But like I said earlier, the problem is when they become our master. And so I handled them. There's a time to mourn. I mourned. But there's work to do and there's a time to rejoice. And so I rejoiced. And if I could leave you with anything, I would leave you with the biblical account of after, if you go and read in the Gospels, there's a time when Jesus meets Peter after he had fished all night long. You may or may not be familiar with the story. And Jesus speaks to Peter, and Peter speaks to Jesus, and Jesus says, launch out into the deep. And I'm paraphrasing 
And Peter says, but master, we've toiled all night. We've done it our way. Professional fishermen. <laughs> the guy may not have been the guy you went to to do your taxes or to treat any kind of wound, but if anybody knew fish, it was Peter. Peter catch a fish, my kind of guy. He said, Master, we've told all night long, and my favorite phrase in that entire passage is he looks at Jesus and he says, Nevertheless, at thy word, what you've commanded, I'll do. Even though I've been, and even though I've tried, and even though I've fished, and we came back empty-handed, you said it, I'm going to do it. If you go on to read that biblical account, they let out their nets, and their nets come up so heavy that they've got to holler over at James and John. Boys, we need some help. And they come in and they help them to get those nets up. And it all goes back to obedience. You've shared a whole lot in even just a short amount of time. And I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I appreciate it. I think it's meaningful not just in a belief context, but even from the standpoint of people listening as it applies to their personal lives, their businesses, their their identity within farming and ranching, mm -hmm. just the way we carry ourselves, the way we face our problems and our struggles, and then also the way that we're leading by example. Especially, I'm thinking of it more so from an agricultural standpoint right now, but in a world economy like we're in right now with all of the eyes yeah. on so few people who are feeding and clothing the world, the scrutiny, the misinformation, the disinformation, set aside the value from a faith and belief standpoint, the way we manage ourselves. And then also you talked a lot about learning that language, like being able to communicate that properly mm -hmm. to other groups who may not be as familiar with us and what we do. That extends beyond, you know, just our beliefs. And that permeates into the rest of our lives. In my opinion, maybe I'm looking for too much connection where it's not, but that's just the way my mind works, as you know. Mm -hmm. But no, I see so many different dots connected and that goes back to why Taylor and I really want to do this faith, family, and farming mini-series because as we're looking at our lives, things that have, you know, happened one after the other and the way they're all interconnected, I think there's a lot of linkage. I and agree with you. So I thank you again for just sitting down with me and talking old stories and talking new stories. Man, I'm grateful for this opportunity, and I thank you for, again, inviting me, thinking of me. It's a warming thought to know that I was at the forefront of your mind. And that's the Lord. And I'm thankful to him. I'm thankful to you. And I commend you and Taylor for not only taking up this great task with Mind Your Melon and mental health and all these things that you are able to do that I'll never be able to do. But, but besides all of that, taking the time to realize, look, there's something beyond this and it's faith and and I commend you and Taylor for setting aside that time in the podcast to also recognize the God in heaven, the Lord that saved us, and this great Jesus that we get the opportunity to serve. I'm, I'm, I'm all honored, man. I just don't know any other way to say it. Well, on that note, again, I'll say I appreciate it, and I will also leave everybody listening with this. As we head into the holidays, we all know that while it's a time to celebrate, a time to rejoice, it is also a time where so often – People find themselves feeling alone, feeling isolated, and going through difficult times. So, on top of reminding you to mind your melon, I will also encourage you, think about your beliefs, think about your faith system. Don't forget to mind your ministry as well. Have a good one, everybody.